Hello, listeners. Welcome back for another episode of the 1970 Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ed. And joining me today, Mark Damon. Mark, how's it going? It's been a while since we chatted. Uh, we had uh, the holidays in between and, and all that. Hopefully you had a good holiday break. I did, and hopefully um, hopefully everyone in the PSG Talk family had a good holiday, whatever holiday they happen to celebrate. Um, I still have another week off from work, nice. so I'll watch the New Year's Day football, the NFL uh, wildcard games, which the Giants are not in, surprisingly enough. And um, we'll go from there, but um, yeah, another... Another week without PSG football, so we'll have to find something to talk about. You know, it made me realize with all the games going on that the Premier League plays that it's not a good thing. Like, those players play way too many games, and all of the other leagues are on break, and then they're running these guys into the ground. And it's like, it's nice to have soccer football on to watch, but then I'm like, this really isn't great, you know? Which is good for PSG, because if they draw an English team, hopefully they'll be tired, but... I don't know. What are your thoughts on that real quick before we jump into the show? Do you, do you like the, the Boxing Day games and all the games that the Premier League plays? Yeah, but again, I think there there's ways to take like a week or two off out of your league in other places in the year. I think they should try to do that more because there's too much like FA Cup and all yeah. that. So everyone's trying to fill the calendar with games because God forbid we can go a week or two without watching a football match. But, you know... I think it's a good tradition for England. It's kind of their thing. I don't think people would want to. I don't think people would want to get rid of it. And I think that it probably generates a lot of money for the uh, for like not even the top level Premier League teams, but like mid table, lower table, second, third tier teams. Like those teams are probably getting one of their highest attendance figures for that fixture. That's true. Like Arsenal, you maybe. know, it's, it's, it's a Christmas gift. Hey, let's go. You know, if, if you're going to go to one football match a year, you're probably going to that one. So that's true. And I, I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's fine. I mean, it's up to these teams to do, to manage their players and their minutes, but yeah, I, I don't have a real issue with it in general. I have an issue with, yeah. I have an issue with a lot of, of a, of a glut of football in general. I don't really have an issue with this specific uh scenario that's fair enough i always think that nbc does a great job with their production but i just wish during their presentation they would explain to us americans what the hell boxing day is i have no idea i associate boxing day with football i don't know what the tradition is i probably should know but if anyone sure it's just that you get gifts i think you get a box of stuff no it's you get i think that in Canada and in the, in the UK, Christmas really isn't the presents holiday. It's Boxing Day the day after. Interesting. Well, there you go. So, you learned something new here at the 1970. That's, that's I'm pretty sure what it is. I, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right on that one. Well, hopefully, whether you Christmas, whatever holiday, Boxing Day, hopefully whatever it was, you had a pleasant break. And now, you know, PSG's coming back to training, I believe, on January 2nd. And their first match is on January 5th against... Amateur side, Linus Montlary. Mark, if I butchered that, let me no, know. No, no, it, 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 I, I'll, I'll, I'll just be quick on this. I get the French Cup, <laughs> I get the way it's set up, but that's not even a fair. It's not even fair to PSG to have to send a team to that. Our fourteen-year-olds like, would be. You would know, destroy. And now that I'm saying this, they'll probably lose. But it, it's, it's like. Your top players are not going to get up for that game, no matter how much you try to get them to play it. It's a, it you have to yeah. have a level of professionalism to go out there and play amateur, 
play an amateur team for 90 minutes. And it's just, I get the old traditions of football and that this was a thing that happened for a hundred years and all that. I get it. I'm not on principle against it. It's just, these are not games I look forward to watching. These are not games I look forward to covering. And it's a Sunday. I think January 5th is a Sunday. So it's it's like a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Like two 55. And I I said on the other, our uh, PSG talking podcast, if Tuchel, puts Neymar and Mbappe anywhere near the pitch that he should be fired for negligence. They, they can't play in this game. They absolutely cannot be anywhere near this game it is useless. No, I, I, I think even though they lost the Coupe de France and the Coupe de la Ligue last year, there's like a 98%, 99.5% chance they win this game anyway without Neymar and Mbappe. So there's, there's no reason to play them. The champions league and league on are the objectives here. I, I think that, PSG are just beyond having to win these cups. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't matter. It's not that it doesn't matter. You like to win them. And I, I thought there was a real overreaction last year to when they lost to Ren. I, I think it was the, was the way they lost was so disappointing. Yeah. But I, I think even at the time I was like, people don't care about the PSG fans don't really, you know, care as much about the, Coupe de France until they lose it. And it, I'd say the same thing with like Manchester City and Liverpool with the FA with the FA Cup. They don't really care about that unless they unless they lose. Then it's an issue. But I thought there were issues beyond that game. Like that wasn't the game to get mad at. There were plenty of other games that yeah. in that stretch that you could have gotten mad at. But th- to me that wasn't one of them. But that's seven months ago yeah. at this point. You're it's, looking in the past. This podcast is all about looking forward. We're going to yeah, talk about some of those cups. So I mentioned the other podcast, uh, PSG Talking. That podcast is all about what happened up until this point in PSG's season, talking about wins and losses and who's been the best player and who's been the worst player. Um, and Mel, Brennan, and Jose Espinosa joined me. So definitely subscribe to that podcast if you want to hear about that. But on this podcast, we're going to be talking about looking ahead, what's coming up for PSG. And obviously I mentioned the match on January 5th, and then we've got another uh, Coupe de la Liga against St. Etienne. So we've got a busy January. Also thrown in the mix there is the January transfer window that's opening up here in a few days. And that's yay. where I want, that's what I wanted to start with. So a, Ooh, few, a few names, a few names that have been linked, and I'm not going to give any ridiculous ones, but Lucas Paqueta, we had Emery Chan, Mattia... Desciglio, again, Desciglio. yeah, Desciglio. Ricardo Pereira at Leicester and Sandro Tonali. Those are the names that have been bubbling up the most. And I think all of them, you could see it actually being pulled off in January. These are reasonable targets that you may be able to pull off. Any of those names interest you? Any of those players that you want? And it, and if you want to bring them in, it may mean Julian Draxler goes because that we need a spot and we need cash. So tell me, does any of these names interest you and would you be willing to bring them in if it means Draxler leaves? Ed, call him the great Julian Draxler. <laughs> Sorry. You yes. may not be able to call him that for much longer. Did you know Kose um, is a huge Draxler fan on the other podcast? He was like going on for like 10 minutes about how much he loves Draxler. I love Draxler. I've always loved Draxler. <laughs> He's just never quite found the niche role like that he's needed to like it's just there's there's always either he had that stretch in 17 but again we got to stop talking about the past we're like we're like mark mcguire here we're not here to talk about the past (laughs) 
Wait, I thought that was Rafael Palmeiro. No, that was that was Mark McGuire. Rafael okay. Palmeiro was the one that didn't that uh, forgot that he knew English. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, McGuire was the one that didn't want to talk about the past. Anyone in France listening to this has no idea what we're talking about. No, we've 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 lost half the audience. <laughs> it's okay. Um, no, but here's the thing. I think that. Realistically, I think that PSG need to sell a player or two before um, making an expenditure like a Paqueta or an Emery Chan. Mm-hmm. I just I don't I don't like in January doing what we did last year, where we pretty much had to spend without really getting money back. I guess we had a little space in the budget. Did we sell anything? And we we did some loan deals and. In January last year, but I don't think we sold anybody outright at that point. I'll pull that up as you're talking. And I'll, I'll chime in. Tell me, because it might we might have, but I, I don't remember it being a big name. But I think Paqueta is one of those where I think we're going to hear about it for four weeks, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think PSG have enough midfielders right now where it's not an absolute emergency. Because he wouldn't start particularly like right away. I think it would be a good, you know, long term investment, which is why I'm thinking maybe in the summer they can get him for a little less. AC Milan, they'll know their situation. They've just uh, they've just signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic, so they might need some money if they're going to want to keep him around. I don't know how much good he'll do, you know, knowing how AC Milan's kind of a tire fire right now of a club. Right, yeah. And they're usually kind of hard to negotiate with anyway. So I don't necessarily think Paqueta's a, an option. Emery Chan, that's another one. I think it'll it'll they'll hear about it for four weeks. I don't think it'll go anywhere. I, I'm not particular. And I, I can be wrong. I've been wrong before. But I just don't see them making a major move here. If something falls in their lap, yes. But I don't see them really going for the major move because i don't think they have to mm-hmm. now they could use a better right back but i didn't you know strike me down with lightning for saying this but thomas Meunier has been pretty good in december like he hasn't been awful like he's been able to be a little bit more involved in the attack he's actually been not half bad defending i would like someone better than him but I think he's playing well enough where I may not want to break the bank for a right back. Obviously, if one kind of if the situation works, you do it. If like Ricardo Pereira works, but I don't know why that would happen either because Leicester are in a top four battle. They're not going to sell one of their players in the middle of a top four battle. They don't have to do that. He did come out and recently say that he didn't say he did want to come to PSG and, he, and he's played in league on before and he said he follows the league and he was very, you know, accepting yeah, of the idea. But, but you know what? Same thing happened last year. Remember Adelaide Ducare? Yeah. Watford, who came out and said he'd like to play in Paris. Did that mean anything? No. Watford it didn't happen. Them. Yeah. It meant nothing. So I don't go by what they're saying in interviews. Like, it's about the, it's about the, it's about the financial. It's about the business aspect of it. Like, does the business deal make sense? And, you know, I, I you have to look at it that way. You can't take a personal view. Same thing with, you know, the transfers down the line in the summer. Neymar, Mbappe, whatever. It's not about 
you know, it's about what makes sense financially. It makes sense what it has to make sense business wise. No, a hundred percent. I think some of these could make sense business wise. Um, it's interesting. I, I wrote a piece on the site about um, Paqueta, about um, AC Milan. So Leonardo was the sporting director at Milan when he brought in Paqueta from Flamengo, and he paid about 35 million euro. And now the, the tie is there again, and apparently Leonardo wants to bring that player he recruited to Paris. Yeah, but I'm sure he does. He, but the best part is is that he's not willing to pay the 35 million. Like he wants to pay less than that, and and the the piece was about how Milan and executives are just in a state of amazement. They're like, twelve months ago, you you spent our money, and it was he was worth thirty five million, but now with someone else's money, he's only worth I don't know, twenty eight thirty something like that. Yeah, but that's the thing. <laughs> Milan aren't gonna I think sell him unless they have to, and I don't necessarily think they have to. I think they're gonna try to get to top four if they can. I don't think it's. Possible they're in eleventh, yeah. They're that's the thing. They're not. I mean, they're signing Zlatan. I mean that that team has fallen so far off the map. It, I don't think they're really in a place to negotiate. And as the years go on, he's going to go lower and lower. And he hasn't really played that well. So the, the, if they can get a Draxler and maybe ten million, fifteen million, I think you yeah, do that but, deal if you're them. Yeah, but that's that's the key there, though. You, yeah, you can't do what you did last year and pay forty-seven million euros for a rotation player. Yeah, for Paredes, you can't you can't do that. You you just can't. So I don't see Leonardo making this move unless the finances make sense. You know, he's I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll go with a show that I've been watching a lot of sort of YouTube clips of over the last couple of days since it's the holidays and there's nothing really else to do. Right. There's a show in the UK called Dragons Den. Ooh. which is basically shark the british version of shark tank nice i gotta so write that down it's 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 hysterical it's great it's great and i it, it's that kind leonardo's that kind of guy like he's not he's a dragon he's going to make deals that i think make sense financially he's not gonna overreach i don't think he's gonna be caught in these endless negotiations with people it it takes some serious balls to go to your former team and 12 months later say you're not going to pay the same amount of money. That just amazed me. I was like laughing. Like th- to go to your former team and say, nope, I'm not going to pay that much. Sorry. I mean, yeah, that, I don't that's know if you bold. That's the best of times at Milan there uh, in, the, in that year. They're a mess. Like, yeah. AC, you know, all this stuff about how PSG can be a little hectic sometimes. PSG look like a really well. Like, they look like the most well-run organization in the world compared to what AC Milan has been for the last five years. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Leonardo's in a better place. <laughs> I think um, I think if he can get Paqueta to that better place, it'd be great, too. But I'm just, I'm just not counting on it because I don't see it as... I don't think Milan's just going to go, here, take him for $20 million. Yeah, no, I, I don't see that... Um... Brescia, I mean, they're in a relegation battle. I really like Sandro Tonali. He would be that kind of taller midfielder, but he's so young. He hasn't really proven himself on, on the European stage. I don't know about I, I like Emery Chan. I think he is that kind of tall midfielder that you look for that could do do a business there in the middle of the park and be that physically imposing figure. Well, yeah, but again, he'd be a off the bench guy. He wouldn't start. You say you don't think? Yeah, Emery Chan probably wouldn't start, yeah. but he could fill yeah, in. I mean, if, for this team. if we if we go deep into the cups, I think that he could potentially 
Um, I think he could potentially start in, you know, a Coupe de France semifinal, you know, provide some cover, some rest for Idrissa Gay, who maybe we'll use later on in the Champions League. So overall, though, you don't think any of these deals, you're not, you don't have your hopes up. And that's kind of what Leonardo has been saying. He's like, we like our team. And like, I think you're, you're spot on with what Leonardo is thinking. I like his team too, if it can stay healthy. So that's kind of what we think about, you know, who PSG could sign. We're not getting our hopes up too much but it would be nice to see especially a right back come in Munier has looked decent but i think we all i mean if ricardo Pereira could come in i mean i think we would all approve that deal but there was another deal that happened in europe that could really impact psg and that was dortmund um holland is that i guess i don't know how i uh pronunciation yeah, of that mouth. yeah so Dort- yeah dortmund signed him about 22.5 million they paid his buyout um, he scored 17 goals and 16 league appearances for Salzburg. Um, he scored what six. League? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. What league was that? Is that the, is that, is that Austria? Austria? Bundesliga, right? Yeah. The, the Austrian league. That's, yes. Oh, he scored it in the Austrian league. Oh. <laughs> but he did score eight goals in six Champions League games. We got to give him credit there. He did. He did. He scored four of those against the feared, uh, gank. <laughs> the mighty gank. The mighty gank. He scored half of those goals against gank. <laughs> so, yeah, so they, so, you know, he, he got them where they needed to be in the Champions League and, you know, and. Well, no, he got him into the, he got Salzburg into the Europa League. That, that's pretty get, good. I think that's for them. The Europa League spot. Can you pull up what group they were in again? Uh, let me see. Uh, Pulling that up. I'll edit all this out. Do, 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 do. They were in a group with, I guess it's Red Bull. Yeah. Liverpool, Napoli, Salzburg, Genk. Oh, so in a group that they were supposed to finish third, they finished third. Yes. And and considerably quite a bit behind Napoli. So they were, they, they finished on seven points. Napoli was at 12. So pretty decent gap there. An accomplishment if I've ever heard one. <laughs> And he did score quite look, a few look, goals. And I, look, I'll, I'll make this point, and I, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm being jokey for a, for a reason. It's like, I, 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 I was off tw- Twitter for a while. I was watching the Chelsea Arsenal game, and then I come back on, and all of a sudden, it's like every like PSG Twitter person, especially in in French, mm-hmm. are talking about this signing and starting to shake in their boots like, you know, Hulk Hogan's coming down to the ring to beat up the Iron Sheik. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Like, any little thing gets these, a lot, not all of them, but a good portion of our PSG fan base into, like, convulsions and existential dread. It's like, oh, no, here comes Big Mouth to come in here, and he's going to score eight goals, and he's going to knock PSG out single-handedly while riding a white horse. Like, let's all calm down a bit and just, you know, he's a good 19-year-old. Like, Dortmund lost uh, Pulisic, who's at Chelsea now, and now they're they're basically replacing him with this kid. And I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a big Pulisic guy, but I feel like he's better, so I don't know. I, I, but the Dortmund get any better? It speaks to something that I, I don't even really want to talk about this this kid because I, I think he's kind of overrated. I'll eat those words later. But for now, it's again, I'm not going to be afraid, and that's the whole thing. It's like we it we're th- you know we have to wait two months for this game, 
and then three months for the return game. Mm -hmm. And every single time we do this same song and dance where you look at the the thing, it's like, oh, PSG could have a good shot in that. And then something happens like Manchester United fires their coach and they go on a run. And then everyone starts shaking in their boots. And there's no confidence with a lot of these fans. It's like, oh, no, now this guy's here. He's We're really in trouble now. I, I, I don't want to hear any of that. And I think that we have to stop worrying about what other people do and worry about what PSG does. Worry about getting healthy. PSG have one of the best attacks in Europe. The, the best. Be- Yes, arguably, but I, I would say they're in the top three, definitely. Mm-hmm. They really, unless they self-destruct, they should beat Dortmund regardless of what Norwegian kid they sign. <laughs> Is that where he's it's from, like, Norway? Norway. He's, that's, he, yeah, he's from Norway. I did read that he was like, born, born in Leeds, so could he not play for England? Have they, I don't know, has he been well, capped well, that's yet? That's why he's got, that, he's got that English arrogance. He's got yeah. that big mouth of his. <laughs> But it's like we have to stop with these boogeymen that we create as a fan base. This doesn't change the tie all that much. No. What it does is it gives PSG a, one more guy to you know worry about and to try to keep him off the ball in the box. That's it. it the, the, you know, Thiago Silva and Marquinhos and Kimpembe, they're not going to like – this kid's not going to scare them. No. Like, they've played Messi and Ronaldo and, you know, and fucking all these great, all-time greats. And this 19-year-old kid's going to have, you know, these guys shaking in their boots? Like, no. No. On February 18th, you're going to find him in the back of Tiago Silva's pocket. You're not even going to hear him. I'm glad we brought this up just to to make this point. Like, everyone just has to – I know it's hard to have confidence because PSG in the Champions League isn't exactly a exercise in confidence and faith. But at some point, you got to, you know, stop being afraid and just believe in what the what kind of roster PSG have put together here and stop looking for all the flaws and stop looking for what the other team does and looking at their results. I don't even want to watch Dortmund. I'll watch a couple of their games, but I want to watch yeah. the Bundesliga. It's boring as hell. <laughs> I, I watch. Wanna watch I watched the game they had against Leipzig, and that kind of leads me to my point about, like, this is a player they didn't need. It, it reminds me of when Arsenal signed Pepe. It's like, that's not really what you need. You kind of suck on defense, and you probably should have gotten a much better center back or a defensive midfielder, and instead you went for more attacking options. You already have Jaden Sancho. You already have Goetze and Marco Royce, and uh, I'm just kind of looking at their lineup here. I mean, they've they've got Julian Weigel. He's more of a defensive midfielder, but... Yeah, yeah. Does Big Mouth even start for them? I, I don't... Uh, Out of the gate? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, uh, this seems like Dortmund's just trying to get him ahead of time so yeah. that they can get him ready for next year and the year after, where he'll probably be very good. And he didn't but, need... It sounded like... So they paid his buyout. So clearly Salzburg didn't want to sell him at this point. But after they paid the buyout, it, it absolutely seemed like he didn't mind going to Dortmund. And Dortmund was like, let's get him now before Leipzig gets him, because that was rumored, or Manchester United. Uh, and they, they just paid the buyout and brought him in. So good business on them, but it is, this is a luxury player. It's not going to fix your defense, which was horrendous against Leipzig. And then they lost another game to, I forget the, the opponent, but I mean, it was really bad defense there as well. We wrote a piece on the site, but... Um, 
that I mean, you can score goals, okay, so can PSG, but the difference is PSG has two world-class defenders and you guys don't. Mats Hummels is getting older, uh, Zagadou, former PSG player, is young and inexperienced. I wouldn't count on him to do a whole lot. So you didn't address what your major issue is going to be. I mean, there's still the entire window. They may sign someone else, but that's not really the kind of club Dortmund is. It's kind of out of character for them to, to sign to spend this kind of money on a player, don't you think? Well, again, they're getting him for the resale. Yeah. They're obviously getting him for a couple of, over two or three good years in a resale. Because in the end, they're probably just going to sell him to Bayern Munich when Lewandowski retires. <laughs> like, let's be realistic here. We're, we're ripping on Dortmund here, but that's what's going to happen here. Yeah. Because if Dortmund asks, sorry, if Bayern Munich asks Borussia Dortmund to jump, Borussia Dortmund says, how high? We all know this. This is how the Bundesliga works. It, it looks it's like the reverse of how league Gun works. Yeah. I, I was just Ligue reading. Works. I'm sorry. I, I just want to chime in because you were talking about the resale value. So it looks like here Manchester United cooled their interest in the player because of the demands made by the player's agent and his father when it came to the share of any future transfer fees as well as the new buyout clause. So there were a whole bunch of things that Dortmund had to agree to that basically leads you to believe this is all for the resale. That's that's it. That's the only reason they brought him in is for the resale. And that's why they agreed to all these stipulations where, you know, agents get paid off and the buyout fee is a certain amount so that he can move on. He doesn't love Dortmund. He doesn't want to be there the rest of his career. This is a stepping stone and Dortmund in a business move. That's it. I don't know why PSG fans are getting upset over a strict business move and not something that's supposed to impact the on the pitch uh, product. It, it does. It's PSG are still the favorites. It's a, it's up to what PSG do, and that's the whole thing. I just wanted to make that point. It's just I, I just wanted to you know I just want to kind of uh, not to yeah to soften the idea of this being this boogeyman that's coming to get PSG. Like it's not that's not the case here. Like this guy's not going to just go in and destroy PSG. If he does, then what are you going to do anyway? <laughs> like, you yeah. know, but it's not going to, it's really probably not going to happen. So, yeah. I, how do you say swagger in French? That, that's what PSG need to have. Like, it, it shouldn't matter what Dortmund, it's Dortmund. Okay, you got some nice, cute little players. We have Neymar and Mbappe, Thiago Silva, Marco Verratti. We're going to come into your building. We have the swagger. And we're going to run you off the pitch. That's the mentality they need to have, and that's the mentality fans need to have. And we need to stop having this like loser mentality. So yes, loser mentality, <laughs> existential dread. Leave that at Marseille. They have the loser mentality where they just feel like they've lost even before the ball is being kicked. So let leave that in Marseille. At PSG, we need to start changing the culture and start thinking we are going to be the favorites and we're going to win. It doesn't matter who the other team has. Well, as we're talking about the Champions League, I want to ask you. Obviously, Dortmund, we don't think, is going to give PSG a whole lot of trouble in the Champions League. Is there a team in the last 16 that you think could cause PSG the most trouble? Who do you not want to see? Of course. Who do you not want to see? Oh, I'm sure Barcelona would be a problem. Hmm, okay. I'm sure, of course, Barcelona's always a problem. They have Messi. Like, I don't want to play Messi if I don't have to. Like, I, I, you know, you can beat them, but it's not something you want to enjoy. The last like two it years, took, he's it took Liverpool he, a bunch of like flukish kind of things to happen to get by him. That's mm-hmm, true. And you know, I I probably at this point wouldn't want to play Liverpool just because they're playing so well. Yeah. I mean, at some point they're going to hit 
a bit of a slide because everyone does. It's they're playing fifty five plus games. Yeah. But like if we were to play them right now, I wouldn't exactly be thrilled about it. And now they yeah. have this lead in the Premier League, so they can like rest their players before a big game against PSG. Yeah. That's yeah, they're 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 good. They're really good. And they just they're just it, it says something about sticking with a guy like Jurgen Klopp. Like it took Klopp three years or four years or so to really get that thing to where it is now. And it, that, that's the argument for keeping a guy like Tomas Tuchel, which is if you give him time and you let him develop it, you might get something like what Liverpool got with Jurgen Klopp. Maybe not. And I know that's really hard for a lot of PSG fans to listen to because they've been offered this sort of and, and you know, been offered this pot of gold for so long, but you have to have some level of patience. And I think Liverpool is a good example of that. But Liverpool um, never had that catastrophic loss in the Champions League like PSG has. I think that's the difference. If, if Tuchel was competitive last year and made the quarterfinals and we just lost on an away goal rule, I don't think the, the calls for his job would be as loud as they are. It's, it's kind of like it's more of the same. It's the same thing we had under Emery. Same thing under, well, not so much under Laurent Blanc. We didn't have that catastrophic loss where we were well, up big. I would argue that I'd argue that loss to City was really bad. Yeah, it like, was bad. Yeah. That was pretty, that was a, they should have won that tie. There's no reason that that City team should have beaten PSG. Yeah. And that's why Laurent Blanc lost his job. Because that was a, infinitely winnable tie that he happened to lose and or he was a major contributing factor in psg losing that tie right and emory obviously again the guy is just not a quality level high you know he's just not that guy so you you have a thomas tuchel who i've argued that there's things about him that i don't like but he's doing a lot of good stuff. Like they look, they've looked good the last few times we've seen them. They scored twelve goals their final three games of twenty nineteen. Yeah, they look like a team that's scoring. They look like a team that is defending, and that's I think the best part of what he's done is I think this team has gotten so much better defensively. Like they're not even against Real Madrid when they were being hammered, they weren't leaking goals. Like. Real Madrid had to earn those goals. It's not like PSG just handed them goals. Yeah, that was just the brilliance of uh, Kareem Benzema being in the right place and great midfield play. Yeah, they earned those goals. It wasn't Keeler Novice's fault. Mind, I don't mind that. No. Like, people, I don't mind if a team is better than you and makes the plays. Like, that's what happens at high-level competitive sports. The other team watches film, too, as they say. Like, the other team is practicing and they're yeah, watching just, film. They know how to break you down. Yeah, it's it, it's when you have Tilo Kerr making a back pass that gets, you know, intercepted yeah. by Lukaku. That shit you can't have. It's when the ball is... It's like when the ball is shot at Gianluigi Buffon and he parries it right to, you know... <laughs> it, those are the plays that you can't stand. Those are the plays that, when they happen, it's like, are we cursed? That's when you start to think that way. And it's just, I think it's frustrating to fans. And sometimes it's hard for fans to tell the difference between the two. Right. And it, I think that in this case, 
it's pretty obvious that, you know, that Real Madrid game wasn't because PSG were bad necessarily. It was because Real Madrid played really well and PSG found a way to get a result. I found that game to be a positive, right. not a negative. And going forward, I want to see a team that, even when it's not playing well, can find ways to get results. Because Dortmund's going to, you know, Dortmund is going to challenge them. They're going to test them. But PSG are going to have to work through those moments and find a, you know, find a way through it. And they're going to play a Liverpool. They're going to play a Real Madrid. They're going to play a Barcelona. And it's ludicrous to think that they should win those games basically by showing up and that anything less is a catastrophe. What you want is for them to be competitive, to stay step for step, even when they're not playing well, to stay in the game, and then let the chips sort of fall where they may and see if the other team can actually beat them, as opposed to PSG beating themselves. And overthinking it too much, what Tuchel said last season, the issue was heading into the second league against Manchester United, was that they were just training way too hard. They were way too focused. They were putting way too much pressure on themselves. And I, what I like this season is that they're just taking every game as a game. No, It's not a big deal, whether it's Real Madrid or Amiens. They're just concentrating on the task at hand, training as usual, getting the tactics right, and performing. And I like that. It's a good um, omen for what could happen later on is they, if they can keep this mentality and say, okay, we're up against Liverpool. They have players and so do we. We can do this. Let's just train, and it's it's no different. We just go out there and perform the best that we can, and our best hopefully will be better than their best, and hopefully VAR doesn't screw us. Um, I think that has to be the mentality, but I'm with you. Liverpool does scare me just because they, they can rest before a game against us where maybe we can't because um, our league is a little bit closer, surprisingly. What you're going to have in the next round, though, you know, is going to be top teams. You know, you, you've got Barcelona's probably going to advance. Juventus is probably going to advance past Leon. The only team that may get it be left out is either Real Madrid or Manchester City. So you won't have to play one of those teams in the next round. Um, and, and of course, we never get a favorable draw against like Atalanta or Valencia. So after this round, I mean, Dortmund's going to be tough. But after this round, you're kind of, you're going to come up against the big boys, and that's it's time to put up or shut up. So hopefully, we get there. I mean, we say it as if it's a given, but Dortmund's going to be a problem, and we need to. Oh, nothing's a given with PSG. Yeah, nothing is a given. Nothing so yeah, given. Liverpool would be my team that I don't want to play. Um, let's say against Dortmund or maybe Liverpool later on. My question is, do you think Tuchel should roll the dice and go with that four four two formation? And win, win or lose with his best players. In my opinion, I think that, yes, I think you don't want to go out against maybe Dortmund or, or Liverpool or someone and not play your best players. I think if you're going to go out and you're going to lose, put your best players out on the field. You don't want to be, I think it was like the, the Cowboys against the, the Eagles where... Um, you know the running back Zeke was out, and and they you know busted a play, and and you want to if you're gonna win or lose, you want your best players out there, and at least you can say, you know it just wasn't our day, or we got beat. You don't want to lose with your best players on the bench. You don't want Di Maria sitting there with the season that he's had, just sitting on the bench, and and you're not using him. So I would say I'd be more inclined, put him out there, and and go all that your your uh, 
the best thing that you're good at is offense. So put all your four players out there and just roll the dice and see if you can score a ton of goals and hopefully the midfield stands strong and your defense stands strong as well. So that would be my inclination. But what do you think? Well, there's the old saying that if you're going to die, die with your boots on. And that's, I think that's it. it yeah, if you got to I'm in agreement. I think the 4-3-3 can work in a, against specific teams. I think what we're learning is that, yes, will it be risky to play Marquinhos? Well, it, here's what it would do. The 4-4-2 would allow you to bring Marquinhos back into the uh, back line mm-hmm. and play as a center back. And it would allow you to play Verratti and Gouillet or Verratti and Paredes or Verratti and Herrera, whatever combination of that you want to go with. And then it puts your best four guys out there from the beginning of the game to attack. Now, if that doesn't work, you're going to have to bring one of those attackers off. Maybe if you have to stabilize the game and get people in midfield. But what's worked, I think, is that they've run this formation pretty much for the last month. And those attacking players are defending. They are tracking back. Neymar is tracking back. Yeah. Maria is tracking back. Acardi, to a degree, tracks back. And if they can have those attacking players buy into playing defense and pressing high when they have to and being versatile with what they do, then I think you can do it. But Again, I don't think you have to marry yourself to a formation. I think you have to marry yourself to a style of play. Yeah. And you can play that style of play in a 4-3-3 or you can play it in a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1 if you have players that understand the system that they're in. And I feel like it, we get too bogged down in what tactics they should play or what the formation should be. Like, they'll play a 4-4-2, and Neymar will play in the middle. He'll play off the wing. Like, he'll do whatever he needs to do in the game because he's playing it pretty much instinctually. You know, Mbappe will switch off sides. Icardi will do what he does. Like, as long as everyone's on the same page with what, you know, the style of what they're trying to do and the sort of methodology of it, then to me the formation isn't as important. But if we're going to, if the if the discussion is, should we have four attackers on or should we add that extra midfielder in to control the pitch, that's an interesting one just because, I don't know against Dortmund what you want to do there. It really depends on what kind of game you're in, depends on what, you know, it depends, you know, what happens in the first leg. Let's say PSG are down 2-0 after the first leg. They're going to have to put all their attackers out, and they're going to have to go for goals. Like, it, But if they're up 3-0, you may want to add another midfielder in there just to keep the game more stabilized. This is true. Yeah, so, it all depends on that first leg. It depends. Like, it's not cut or dry what they should do. And I think Tomas Tuchel is smart enough to adjust yeah. in most cases. With the first but, game being at Dortmund, that's a game where you want to get one or two away goals. 
to give yourself some padding at home. So maybe he does go more attacking there and then kind of pull the, the horses back a little bit and maybe go with the 4-3-3. Maybe. But again, it all has to be within the same sort of structure of play. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to see them playing differently, like, completely. Like, you want stylistically to look similar, but the structure allows you to sort of sure up certain things. It's like tinkering. You want to have a machine that works that you can tinker with. You don't want to switch out machines in the middle of the, in the middle of the thing. That's not what you want. And too many times PSG have been in that situation where they're replacing machines rather than tinkering with the one that they have. Yeah, I, I don't want any surprises at Dortmund. Like, let's get it figured out in January what the starting Levings be. I don't want to be like an hour before the game. Oh, there's a rumor that Kwasi could start in the midfield. Like, I don't want that. I think he's a great player, but I don't want him starting in the midfield in a Champions League game. Like, no surprises. Get it figured out, know who you are, and then just push all your chips in the middle of the table and and yeah, see what happens. You have, to, you have to play confident. And I think that you remember that that uh, that second leg against United where that weird rumor came out, like, in the morning that Al Ariola was going to start the match. Yeah. Like, I don't want that. I don't even know whether that was fake or not. That very well could have just been fake. Yeah. But I don't know where that came from. It was obviously wrong. And you just don't want to see that kind of stuff. Like, you just, you want it to be, you know, you don't want it to be, like, realistic that PSG would do something like that. You know, make that last second decision. You just want, you want it to be steady. You want the ship to just sail on the water you don't want it to tip you don't want it to fall over you don't want it to hit an iceberg you just want a nice smooth ride and too many times the ride's too bumpy but i think it's been relatively smooth this year even with the injuries like i feel like this has been one of the smoother psg seasons and a lot of fun to watch maybe not at first it was a little herky-jerky just with the injuries and getting used to everyone all the new signings but like towards the end of the year like this was a really entertaining team to watch. We're scoring a lot of goals. So, well, that's good. I think we're in agreement there. Um, we touched a little bit on domestic trophies, and you were kind of like, no one cares if we win the Coupe de la Liga. But I'm just curious, and this could be a short topic. How many trophies, how many domestic trophies, and include Ligue 1 in that, how many do you think uh, PSG will win? I think they'll win one and lose the other. Okay. So, Ligue 1 and maybe a Coupe de France, for example. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they'll win both. I think they'll have to rotate at some point, and it'll cost them in one of those games. But I, I don't. I, I think they'll win one. It, it took a lot for them to lose that Coupe de France last year. It took a lot of things to happen. So, like, I don't know if that's going to happen again, like in that same way. I'm, I'm hoping we win all of them, just because I think that would go to the mentality of the team where they want to win everything. I don't want that killer mentality. I don't want yeah. them to be like, eh, we're just going to rotate. We don't care about this. Like. Again, not, not I, at the excuse, yeah. not at the, not at the uh, expense of yes. sense. Yeah, I, we we have the players that we should be able to rotate, and we should be able to win the Coupe de la Liga with our B and C team. We should be able to do it. I do it in FIFA all the time. It's not that hard. I I can I can have Tuchel uh, give me a call. I'll, I'll tell him who to play. But uh, yeah, rotate, and we should still be able to win because our B team is just as good as any league on team, in my opinion. So I think we should be able to do that. So um, I want to sweep, but you think we'll we'll probably win too. Now. As we're getting close to the end of the podcast here, I want to ask you, and I asked the other guys on the other show too, I'm curious to hear what you say. Are you optimistic or are you pessimistic going into the second half of the season? 
You go first. Okay. I'm very optimistic. Very optimistic. Given how many goals that we've scored, my I said that my biggest uh, or my best, I think the overall best performance of the season so far was that 2-2 draw against Real Madrid. We've never seen anything like that where we go into an opposing team, a big European team like Real Madrid, and come back from being two goals down. I just thought that that was phenomenal, show the mentality of the team. I thought that was great. Our four attacking, Acardi, Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria, they're firing on all cylinders. It's a lot of fun to watch. I'm very optimistic. I think we got a, a really good draw with Dortmund. I think that's a winnable draw. Tuchel knows them. We should be able to advance. So I think quarterfinals is a minimum at this point that he needs to achieve. And I think it's very attainable. And then from there, it's kind of like luck of the draw. Let's see what happens. Players are getting healthy. Neymar and Mbappe is a, is a relationship on and off the pitch has been phenomenal. And those two players, when they are firing, like nobody can stop them. They are the two best players. Messi, I don't care. You can have Messi. Give me Neymar and Mbappe all day long. I'm very optimistic, but I'm always optimistic. What do you think? I'm cautiously optimistic. That's a cop out, but I am. I'm cautiously optimistic that you're going to hate my next question, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Like the pieces are there in a way that they haven't been since the 15, 16 season. Mm-hmm. Like this team feels like a, fairly complete roster like there aren't these glaring holes like last year there were glaring holes mm. in this roster like they just didn't have enough they didn't no doubt they didn't have enough midfielders <laughs> yeah. they didn't have any midfielders and the year before they were sort of in a transition and Neymar Mbappe and Cavani were good but the back the spine of the team wasn't great their defense was really lacking and then the year before that the 16-17 team you know if Edson Cavani hadn't scored if Edson Cavani had scored if he had scored he had scored like 50 goals if he had scored 10 less goals that team might have been like fifth or sixth in in league on really and that was the year Monaco won right yeah Yeah. like they were not good besides Cavani like just weren't they weren't good enough that team was really poorly constructed and, like, I think this team, can they be better at right back? Yes. Are there going to be people that will hate Juan Bernat no matter what he does? Yes. Who hates Juan Bernat? He's the best. Culture PSG hates Juan Bernat. Uh, no. They've hated him for a year and a half. And it's been nonstop pretty much. Now, again, is he an all-world player? No. He's good enough. He's, he's the absolute good enough player. And really, the weakness is right back in the sense that you don't have a guy that can really put in good crosses. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tilo Carrer can be that guy, but I don't know. I don't know if he has enough time to get there. Yeah, that's what we have to Martin find out in Maple. January. Yeah. Yeah. But there really aren't gaping holes here. Like, this team, if they can stay healthy, and that's always the big thing, because you know they can't, but if they can, by some will of the gods, then you got something. And that's why I would say cautiously optimistic. Is this the year PSG does it? Do they win the Champions League this year? Give me a bold prediction. Uh, 
on, on gut, my gut is telling me they make the semifinals. I just feel it's time. I feel yeah. like I feel like you can only choke so many times. And you're at that tipping point where if you choke again, you really might have to just blow the whole thing up and start over. Because mm-hmm. then it's just like, how many more times can you run out the same players? And I wrote this article a year or two ago about Thiago Silva, where it's like, how many times can they run that guy out there as great as he's been with all of that disappointment and all of the weight of that burden on their shoulders and expect them to do anything sometimes you just have to get new guys in there that haven't felt the sting of losing all the time in those big matches now again PSG have a shot here to rectify that and I feel like they can do it there's no there's no logical reason why they can't the only reason they can't is more of a psychological barrier that they have to break through or this sort of bad mojo or whatever you want to call it. But it's not rational to think that PSG can't make the semifinals. It's not a rational opinion. It's not based on it's based on feeling more than anything else. It's not based on actual fact or actual logic. Since we're looking ahead, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I didn't put this question in there. Let, let's say PSG wins the Champions League. What is what is social media like from from the critics and the media and journalists who you know have put down PSG for years? What what are the headlines on ESPN FC? What what is it like with a PSG Champions League winner? What, what's the narrative? Uh, wow, I don't know if I even want to like. <laughs> Is yeah, it is it know. is it like, oh, they've spent a lot of money. It's about time. Or is it like, wow? I mean, they they've had a lot of hardships and they earn, they earn this and they deserve it. There will it. be people, there will be people that will give PSG their credit. But you know what it will be? And I'm telling you now, there will be ten minutes of PSG won the Champions League. There will be ten minutes of it, mm-hmm. and then at ten minutes and one second. It will be, all right, now Neymar and Mbappe can leave. They've done all they can do. At P- I'll do the Greg Burley, right? <laughs> They've done all they can do. Now they have to go to bigger clubs. And that'll be the that'll be the bit. Like That'll be the know, narrative. That'll be the narrative. It'll be, they, ha- they can leave now. And, you know, <laughs> so you just have to be aware that that's going to happen. Like, it's not going to dent my, it's not going to, you know, dim my buzz or anything. I'm, I'd be way too excited for that. But you know but what? Not, yeah, I'm kind of. If Mbappe left after delivering the Champions League, it's kind of like LeBron at Cleveland. Okay, you you he won the championship for Cleveland and moved to the Lakers. I don't think anyone in Cleveland is upset with that. I kind of be the same way. Go on to Real Madrid. You gave us what you kind of promised and wanted to bring to us. So thank you and be on your way. But you're right. I think that would most definitely be uh, overwhelming narrative that Burley and others would put out there. Yeah, but we're not there yet. We're so far away from that. I was just curious. I'm just curious what, yeah, what it would be just, like. It's so far away from that point because they got to show up at Dortmund first. 
first. We haven't really seen Manchester City hasn't won the Champions League. We haven't seen a one of these kind of new newer new money clubs, as we'll call them, um, win the Champions League. UEFA has done a really good job of keeping them down. Um, <laughs> controversially, I don't know. It's my conspiracy theory, but they've done a good job of making sure the. The older teams, the more classic teams, the Real Madrid's and Barcelona's win the Champions League, Liverpool's. Uh, we, we haven't really seen what it's like for a team like PSG or Manchester City to win the Champions League. So I was just curious what that reaction would be like. Um, real quick, I'll just say that I don't think that they will win it. I kind of like you. I think they can, but I don't think they will. Um, and I'm only saying that because in previous years, I've said that they will win it, and they haven't. So I thought maybe a little reverse psychology might actually work this year. So... I'll say semifinals. Maybe. I'll say semifinals. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. Um, so that's kind of that's our a look ahead to the rest of the season. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of games um, coming up, especially in January. Um, I'm looking forward to my stomach turning in knots during the Champions League. You, I think you're going to not be on Twitter, right? You're going to maintain that, correct? Yeah. What? Why? Why make myself mad in my own home? <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, I'll be watching these games live. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, no, I'll be watching. Yeah, I just won't. Yeah, you'll be you'll be live tweeting them. Yeah, I always live tweet, and then I'll say I something. I live tweet the games that don't that don't matter as much. It's like, why say something stupid? Oh, when I don't do. I don't make unforced errors. Like I don't want to be like PSG and make an unforced error in a big in a big time situation. Yeah, you definitely. Tweets can come back to to hurt you. I I was looking back at in 2015. I got into it with some AC Milan supporters, and they were like, "History, da 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 da." And I, I kind of dug those up, and I thought about like bringing that up, and I was like, "No, I can't. I can't kick them one there that far down." Same with Arsenal too, where they're like, "This is the Arsenal. You don't know about class, da da da." And I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> So you got to watch what you say on Twitter because people will keep those receipts. But we'll, we try to. I mean, you watch that Arsenal choke. To uh, another look, it, this is the whole thing. They can bring in, they can bring in any manager they want. If they don't like get actual defensive players, they're not going to win games. Like it, it's interesting, and I'll tie it back to PSG. You have Arsenal and AC Milan. These are two of the biggest clubs, or used to be two of the biggest clubs in the world. And in their place, I feel like Manchester City and PSG have replaced them. And it's kind of something that you've talked about, like this this turnover where teams who have not adapted to the new way of football, of spending money and, re- and investing and bringing in top-tier coaching and, and building facilities and all this stuff that Manchester City and PSG are doing now, that what happens is clubs like AC Milan and Arsenal get left behind. And those fans can well, hang on to their history all they want, but that's not building any facilities that's not they, paying. There's a two unique issues there. Arsenal's issue is that they let Venga stay on too long, and he pretty much by the end had no yeah. idea how to actually bring in decent players, and his transfer strategies were bad. And then they brought in Emery, which just kind of made the problem worse because Emery is not a guy who can coach at that level. And you didn't really actually know the English language, so that kind of hurt. Yeah, that's a problem. And with AC Milan, it's more like they had Berlusconi as an owner for years. And then they sold it to this Chinese guy who said he had money, but he didn't. (laughs) So now it's, you know, that's just bad investment. Arsenal's not, 
Arsenal is Arsenal's decline has been poor on field in in the board in the boot room managing. Like AC Milan's problem is that they can't like get their finances in order. And, and so, so you, but like at, at PSG and Manchester City, what they have is both of them. They have smart football people, and they have owners who actually have money and want well, to invest. Well, PSG now have a smart football person. They didn't have a smart football person for a good four or five year stretch. Yeah, and it and it showed. And Taro, Henrique, and and, and Patrick Clivert, <laughs> and Clivert, yeah, and who is now? His name came up. Who is he? What what team is he with now? He's with Bar- he's like a Barce. You know, Barcelona just hires a bunch of their old players to like show up and like do mm. meet and greets and stuff. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what he does at this point. No, it was Latang. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Latang. Where yeah, he's Latang was it? Latang was at Ren, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Latang is okay. Latang's not bad at that level, but he's not like a. a yeah. He shouldn't be like the sporting director of PSG. Like no. that was, that's just absurd. <laughs> but it's just interesting when you kind of look at these historical clubs and how far they've fallen, and and PSG and Manchester City have replaced them. So interesting point to end on. Um, this concludes. AC Milan talk. No, I'm kidding. This is PSG talks the 1970 with Ed and Mark. Uh, Mark, how can folks find you on Twitter if they want to tweet you while you're not tweeting during the Champions League game? Well, they can find me at Mark Damon one. Um, I try to come on with Ed during like when he does the halftime periscopes, although it rarely ever works. Yeah, um, we're we'll gonna do that again. For, we're gonna do it again for Champions League. So don't worry. You know, if we could ever figure that out, I, we could be really, you know, it could be dangerous. It could be dangerous, yeah, if we ever figure that out. So we'll do that. And, of course, you can always find me at PSG Talk pretty much everywhere. Um, subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Check out our podcast. I mentioned PSG Talking. Give that one a listen. We'll have that up. Both of these podcasts will be up tomorrow. I'm going to work uh, through the night diligently and get these published. So, um, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for being the best part of PSG Talk and listening to everything and that we do and reading and interacting. We really do appreciate it. Um, it it's kind of crazy. There was a post on Reddit and, I, and someone said they just want to thank PSG Talk for producing these podcasts. So it's, it's always interesting when I find out that people actually listen to us, Mark. I don't know if you knew that. We're not just talking into the void. People actually listen to what we have to say. Yeah, because I'm just so entertaining. <laughs> So with that, we'll go out. Mark, do you want to hit everyone with your famous uh, line there? Uh, everyone, have a good uh, new year. Hopefully it's very fruitful for us uh, PSG fans. Um, and as always, au revoir for now.